This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Alright, again, this is our premarital class and my portion of the premarital class is on intimacy and the devastation of illicit sex. And so again, being premarital class, I want you guys, all, I want you all to remember, understand, right, that this is premarital class for those that are not married, right? That means you are in, like we say, a single state of your life, you know, regardless of how you got in that state of being unmarried, right? That means you, you may have never been married, um, you may have once been married and now divorced, you may have had a spouse that passed away. But now you're in a state where you are unmarried, and this is talking about the premarital class for those individuals in that state, and we're specifically speaking to your sexual activity while you're in this unmarried state. Now, again, we mentioned what the world says and what society says around sex outside of marriage, and again, even around believers. There's some believers that that have their, their standard around sex outside of marriage, but again, to be very clear, sex outside of marriage is sin. That is God's standard. Right? That means if you're not married, you should not be having sex. Period. There's, there's no gray area in that statement. None. That is God's standard. Sex is only for those that are in the marriage covenant. That's it. And so in the previous teachings, again, it talked about the marriage covenant. It, it talked, uh, they talked about, again, dating and purpose. We got that teaching as well. Um, and then now the questions that we're going to answer in, in the teaching I have is, what is intimacy? And we spent a lot of time on this, and we will continue to spend a lot of time on intimacy because I believe if you don't understand intimacy with God, that's going to cause you to have sex outside of marriage. It's going to head to that direction. Because I'm going to say this again, intimacy is not sex. All right, we're going to say we're going to have an intimate moment. does not mean we're going to have sex. That's a bad way of viewing intimacy. That's the wrong way of viewing intimacy. And hopefully you've learned these things as we went through these teachings. And then we're going to say in dating and court, and again, the questions we're going to answer, what is intimacy? In dating and court, why can't we have sex? What is God's standard pertaining to sexual relationships? And what is a devastation of illicit sex? So again, we've been teaching these things for a while now, and to be honest, these questions have already been answered in the teaching, we're just pulling these things out for, for this session. Alright, so what is intimacy? Again, intimacy is sharing or expressing in words what is in your heart that is private and personal. Basic intimacy is you are exposing your heart to someone. And how you expose your heart to someone, it is in words. Your expressions. You know, your body language. You know, things that you're speaking out. You know, that's how you're, you're expressing your heart to someone. That's when you're being intimate. You're sharing things that are private, that are personal. You're sharing things that are considered your hurts, your pains, your desires, even your lusts. Right? Those, those things are, are part of being intimate. It's sharing. You know what I'm saying? If you never talk to anyone, you're not being intimate. And then we mentioned intimacy in dating. If we do that, it will lead to sexual intercourse because now you've gotten to a place where you are comfortable with that individual. You're familiar with the individual. The individual, you think, you know, they get you. They know you because you have exposed their heart to, to them. You have shared things with them. So, of course, they know you. And we've seen plenty of examples in the Word of God around this. 
Right? And so it's amazing to me to think about dating and, and think about intimacy. And people think, well, this person is, is I'm very intimate with this person. And this person I, I want to have sex with now because we, we feel like we know each other better. But yeah, you know, you know why you feel like you know each other better? Because you've been intimate as far as sharing expressing your heart. Trust me, you had to express your heart to them, you wouldn't feel that way. They'd be like a stranger to you. So it's very important about intimacy and understanding intimacy in dating. Right? You can't expose your heart. You can't give your heart over to someone that you're not in covenant with. Because if you do, they will take advantage of you. So who should I give my heart over to? Who should I be intimate with all the time? The answer to that is easy. God. You need to be intimate with God. You need to share with God your hurts, your pains, those things that are private, those things that are personal. You need to share it with God. Even though God already knows He wants you to spend time with Him. Now, we talked about this, and let's look, go to Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12. My intimacy should be with God. Again, you got that, you unmarried folks. Being intimate with God. How much time are you spent talking to God? You know, while you're texting and, and spending time and doing other stuff, you know, and you're dating and courting activities. How much time have you talked to God? You know, that's what I love about the Lord Jesus, Lord God. You know, you can't text God. Right, you know, you can't call God on the phone, right? But, but guess what? He's all. Where can you go that He is not with you? He's always with you. You know, there's no activity I got to go and grab something advice and talk to God. No, I can just open my mouth and talk to God. That's intimate. I can share with God my heart. Mark 12 verse 30 says, "And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart." With all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength, this is the first commandment. And I love this, right? Because in this passage of Scripture in verse 30, what I love about this is, is the three-letter word called all. And that means my love should be towards the Lord thy God with all my heart. That means my heart should be, all of my heart should be towards God. That's intimacy. All my heart is towards God. That means what... There's nothing I'm hiding from God. It's not like I've got a hidden agenda from God. You know, I'm hiding this and hiding that from God. All my heart is towards God. That means things I've done that I'm proud of, things I've done that I'm not proud of. I'm still sharing that with God. I'm not hiding anything from God. That's intimacy. You know, things that are very personal to you. Things that may have happened to you in your childhood. Things that may happen to you in your young adult lives. Those hurts. Share that with God. Because it talks about out of the heart comes the issues of life. We all have issues. That's what we need to be sharing with God. With all our heart. With all our soul. All our mind and all our strength. Because, again, when, I, when I'm intimate with God, intimacy is communion with God. When I'm intimate with God, it will keep me from the strange woman. It will keep me from illicit sex. It will keep me from having sex outside of marriage. Because I'm sharing with God. I'm letting God know that hey, these are my desires. I'm letting God know, you know, I, I have urges. I, I have these cravings. and I have these things that I want to go after. And God will show me how to contain myself. He will give me the strategies to bring forth discipline. And you know how God will show you how to contain yourself? He's going to show you the truth that's in His Word. First thing, He's going to place you in a, play, in a ministry where you can learn and hear from Him. He's going to make you sure that you're accountable to your accountability to God, but he's going to put people around you that you can be accountable to as well, around authority. 
And see, that's the thing that we don't want to do. We don't want to be accountable to authority. We want to stay and do our own things and say, well, I, I, I share these things with God, but you're still out there having sex. Stop it. Stop playing games with yourself. Because here's the thing. I, I, I said this from the very beginning. I hope you understand. This whole goal of this message is for you to be restored. It's about restoration. God has opened up a window for those that are having sex outside of marriage to be restored. How good is God? This is a time of restoration. Don't, don't miss your season and your disposition of time to be restored. Because who knows if it's going to come back around again. But this is the time for you to be restored from your sexual activities outside of the marriage covenant. And so then we talked about this woman we looked at last week in, in John chapter 8. The woman was caught in the very act of adultery. And we looked at how the Lord dealt with her. He had compassion on her. And, and, I, I, and I, we spent time talking about those that accused her. And we talked about who the accuser was, right? Accusers are coming to condemn you. They're not coming to restore you. When someone is, is and we say what condemnation is, I mean, condemnation, excuse me. To con, condemn, uh, condemnation is the action of sentencing someone to a particular punishment. Again, condemnation. When someone comes to condemn you, it's the action of sentencing you to a particular punishment. For what? For the sin you've done. And, and make no mistake about it, that woman that caught in the act of adultery, that adultery is sin. It is having sex outside of marriage. Some, having sex with somebody you are not married to. And your accusers show up to condemn you. They're going to bring charges against you because they want you to be punished. But we saw how Jesus dealt with this woman. He brought forth the restoration pro- process. First and foremost, you have to get away from your accusers. You've got to get away from them. And then next, you got guess what? You've got to get away from the one you're having sex with as well. So I'm going to get away from the accusers. I'm getting away from the one I'm having sex with outside of marriage. And then I've got to get along with God. Then I can be restored. That's the process. It's all about you and God. But you've got to separate yourself. You know, like the Lord said, come out from among them and be separate. Be holy. Because I'm going to tell you, condemnation will keep you bound. And those accusers that are, that are there to accuse you, they're, they're there to keep you bound. It's amazing because we saw that in John chapter 8, right? Accusers love the, 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 to keep you bound for the, for the sin you've committed, but they've also committed sin too. But it's all about what you've done. See, stop hanging around the accusers. Get along with God so you can be restored. And so on, on this morning, we're going to look at another example of an intimate conversation between God and a woman. Now turn to me with, to John chapter 4. Because here's the thing that, that you know, gets me about reading these passages of Scripture and, and going over these verses. is I've noticed when Jesus is alone with a woman, there's never a time for a hookup. You know, he's not trying to get with her romantically. <laughs> it's all about purpose. And it's amazing. Again, we're still talking about dating and courting. We're talking about premarital class. It's amazing how 
we have our, our, our attitudes when we get with a female. You know, a guy gets with a female or a female gets with a guy. It's always, it seems like it's always about romance. Can we ever be just friends? Do we even know what a friend is in dating? It's not always about a hookup. You know what I mean by a hookup, right? I like you, you like me, so let's go hook up. It, it seems like, it's amazing, like, if, I, if I'm not going to hook up with you, then I can't even be around you. What is that? But we see this in Jesus, in his account with these women. Yeah, and we notice that in most cases, he's, he's not, after the conversation, like he told that woman at the, that called him very active adult, she told that woman, go and sin no more. He didn't, he didn't ask her for a phone number. He didn't try to get with her later. He didn't say, oh, what time you get off work? Let me, can I come by? Can we have coffee together? Or whatever the, you know, the slang is for today. None of that. It was all around purpose sake. But in our dating core relationships now, it is, it's all about the hookup. You know, it's all about the romantics. I'm trying to get with you. She's trying to get with me. Learn to be just friends with the opposite sex in your dating and courting relationship. Learn to be friends. You know what a friend is? I care about your needs, but I'm not trying to sleep with you. But I care about you, but I'm not trying to sleep with you. I'm not trying to have sex with you. Even if I give you a compliment about, hey, you know, your hair looks nice, or, or you may say something about their attire, you know, that's a nice dress you have on, or whatever. But it's not in the sense of where I'm trying to, to compliment you to get you to have sex with me. It's just strictly friend. I care. Can we truly care about somebody without sleeping with them? Something's wrong with our mentality. All right, John chapter 4. Again, we're going to see Jesus again. And again, I said that because catch this, because he's going to deal with this woman too, but he's not trying to hook up with her. John chapter 4, starting at verse number 1. It says, When, therefore, the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee, and he must needs go through Samaria. Now, this is an interesting past scripture, just right here. Because verse 1 mentions, when therefore the Lord knew. So, we start off talking about the Lord, but then in verse 3 it talks about he left Judea and departed again into Galilee. So, did the Lord leave Judea, depart to Galilee, or as Jesus did? So, in any way, it's interesting because it's, I like how, how the, the text changes. I like how it, sometimes it, when it mentions, because we understand Jesus is Lord. But it, it gets to the point where it talks about his deity versus his humanity. Now, when, and, and, and catch these things because it's very subtle in the scriptures. Because there's one past scripture talked about how the Pharisees came and started talking to Jesus, and then it said the Lord answered it. So they thought they're talking to a man, but they ended up talking to God Himself. And we see here in this passage, the Lord was the one that left to Judea because the Lord had to go to Samaria. That means there was a purpose and plan. When God shows up, 
He's all about, and we learn these things on Wednesday night, He is all about redemption. Redeeming. He's all about restoration. When God shows up, He's there to restore you. He's not there to condemn you. So God had a purpose of going to Samaria. The Lord did. And Jesus, the man, understood that. That's why he said in verse 4, he's, we must go to, through Samaria. Because there was a need there that God wanted to do in, in the Samaritans. Purpose is in here. Now, don't forget that as we read through this passage of Scripture. It's all about purpose. It's all about God's purpose. In your premarital state, it's about God's purpose. It's not about your sexual activities. Stay with the purpose of God. Alright, so then verse 5. Then cometh he to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of the ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. So there's an interesting passage scripture in verse 6. It said Jesus being wearied, right? Tired. Jesus said he was weary. The humanity in him was weary. That he sat down at the well. Now, if you sit down somewhere, that means you plan to stand for a minute. He sat down at the well, and it said it was about the sixth hour, about noon. He had just journeyed from Judea to this place in Samaria, and he was weary. But he was on purpose. And then, verse 7 there came or cometh a woman of Samaria. To draw water. Jesus said unto her, Give me to drink. Now, I love this. You know why I love this? Because Jesus spoke first. This woman didn't. This woman came to the well to draw water like she normally would, and Jesus saw her and said, Give me to drink. He initiated a conversation with this woman. Why? Why would Jesus initiate a conversation with a woman? I'm going to tell you, it's not about a hookup. Why? Because it's time to be restored. Remember, he said, I need to go to Samaria. This is about divine appointment, divine invitation. You know, it's 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 divine time that needs to happen. And this woman was there at that divine moment. And he asked this woman to give me drink. Now, you know, you read it, it's like, that wasn't a pleasant greeting. The Lord said, give me the drink. Why? Because Jesus had a need. Get this. The man Jesus had a need. What, what, what need did he have? He was thirsty. But the Lord wanted to put this woman on assignment. See, here, here's the thing about when the Lord addresses you about asking you to do something, that means he has an assignment for you to do. Jesus has an assignment for you to do. The Lord has an assignment for all of us to do. And he will talk to you about his assignment when you're intimate with him. Because at this time when he was talking to this woman, it says in verse 8, for his disciples were going away unto the city to buy meat. It was just him and her. It's intimate time. And the Lord had a need. And he told this woman, give me to drink. He put this woman on assignment. I love this. And the assignment was, here's the thing. He had a need for a vessel 
to go witness to Samaria. Oh, man. Don't miss this. He had a need for a vessel. That means a willing vessel to go witness of Jesus to Samaria. Well, why didn't Jesus just go? Because guess what? He was a Jew. And the Jews and Samaritans, they had issues. And what you're going to hear in a minute. But he was looking for a vessel to go to Samaria to witness about Jesus so they can be delivered. See, this whole, path, this whole illustration is talking about how God was going to bring for restoration to the Samaritans. But in order to do that, he had to have a vessel. And in order for that vessel to go, it need to be, that vessel needed to be restored. And so God dealt with this woman. She was going to be the vessel used. You know, you know what I love about the Lord? What we view as not valuable, God sees valuable. In other words, God knew who to talk to in Samaria to go talk to the Samaritans about him. See, I'm saying never get caught up with who you think God should choose. God knows exactly who he's choosing. This woman was the right person for the, at the right time to do the right job for the Lord. She was it. Why didn't he just deal with a man? Because God knows who to deal with to go get his message out. Oh, you're going to see this. I mean, God is so good. I, that's why I love, I, I love our God because God knows the heart of an individual. God knows who's going to turn towards him and who's not. Let me say it different. God knows who's going to be obedient to him and who's not. God knows when he gives assignments out to individuals who's going to obey him and who's not. He knows. So he gave this assignment to this woman. Give me the drink. Give me the drink. Then it says, verse 8, For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Now here's this woman's response. The one that he gave her assignment to give me the drink. Then said the woman on Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, ask drinketh of me, which am a woman of Samaria? <laughs> For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. There's the issue right there. He said, no, you didn't ask me to give you a drink when you know Jews and Samaritans have no dealing with each other. We don't communicate like that between the Jews and Samaritans. But here's God. God like, well, the Jews may not communicate with the Samaritans, but God does. See, God had a plan for them to be restored. And always he's trying to show this woman, stop looking at me as a Jew. You better see me as the Lord because I'm here to restore the people that you care about. And I'm going to use you to do it. Divine appointment. But in order to use you first, you've got to be restored. See, get this, people. You know, understand this, church, right? God wants to use us. And we all, you know, people say, I, I, want, I want to be used by the Lord. God, use me. But in order to be used, you have to be restored first. Meaning there are issues that are in your life that needs to be addressed so that you can be used by God for His purpose. And you want to bypass the, those issues being addressed and just go out there and be used by God. That's how come you fall out and you, you're failing in the, in the assignment. When God said, be restored first. Because then when you be restored, then you can go out there with peace, with confidence, you're not concerned what people are going to say or, or don't say about you. Because you've been restored. You've been healed. You've been made whole. 
So it's not like taking an assignment from God and you, you're not whole. You know, where you got your own insecurities, your own issues you're dealing with. How can I go preach the gospel to somebody when, when I myself need to hear the gospel? Alright, so then said this woman of Samaria, verse 9, unto him, How is it, if thou being a Jew, acid drink of me, which am I a woman of Samaritan? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Verse 10. Again, remember I said this, right? She's thinking about the Jews and Samaritans, but the Lord is talking about restoration. And he's, verse 10. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest, the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, give me to drink, thou wouldst have asked him, and he would have given thee living water. He's taken her focus off of the natural and put it on the spiritual. In other words, if you know this is a gift of God, you'd be asking me to give, give a drink. You'd be wanting a drink of me. He just identified this woman. Given her assignment, in order for her to fulfill it, she has to be restored first, and he just identified who this woman is. You know what Jesus is saying? You got issues. He said, that's why if you knew who he was talking to you, you would ask me for a drink. Don't miss this, right? You understand what I mean? When the Lord shows up, here we are still holding on to our issues, and God's like, if you know who is standing before you now, then you would come to me to get restored. Instead, you're still trying to hold on to your issues. You know, we act like nothing's wrong. There's plenty of things wrong with you. And God's like, then again, we're talking about things right now that we're dealing with sexual activities that you're doing, that you're trying to hide behind, saying, no, I'm not having sex. Yes, you are. You're having sex outside of marriage, and it needs to be dealt with. And if you understood the time that you're in right now, that God is here to restore you from that, then you would ask him for the drink. Because here's what this woman issue was. She was thirsty. That's why Jesus revealed to her, right? If, if, he said, if, you knew, if you knew who asked you, who was before you, you would ask me for a drink. That means, that means she was thirsty. What does thirsty mean? Because, you know, we have this terminology now, right? Thirsty. Thirsty means it represents an appetite. An appetite uh, to be desired, to be satisfied. When you're thirsty, it represents an appetite. I have an appetite for something that's my desire to be satisfied, to be filled. You're thirsty. And she was looking for relationships to satisfy her thirst. Now, what are you thirsty for? What are you looking for to satisfy you, to satisfy your thirst? Because I'm going to tell you this. Sex does not satisfy your thirst. Sex doesn't bring you satisfaction. Now, if you want to argue with that, you, 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 think about that. Sex does not bring you satisfaction. Sex is only temporal. There's nothing eternal about sex. Matter of fact, once you, once, you, once you leave this world and head to the next world, there won't be any sex. That's only on this side. There's nothing eternal about sex. So that means sex is not there to fulfill me. Now, did I say sex is not pleasurable? No, I didn't say, of course, sex is pleasurable. But it's not there to fulfill me. Not there to satisfy me. But that means you're thirsty because 
Once you have sex one time, you want it again. See, this is how you know you've been satisfied. Once I had it once, it's enough to keep me for the rest of my days. See, here's the thing. When I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, that's all I needed. He satisfied me to the fullness. I'm complete in Him. I'm not, I don't need anything else to make, make me whole, to make me complete. I am satisfied in the Lord. Once and for all. It's eternal, not temporal. And I'm going to tell you, those that are, that are thirsty, those that are around you that know you're thirsty, they use that for their advantage as well. Meaning they know you have a craving. You wonder how come certain people are attracted to you because they know you're thirsty. They know you're looking for something to satisfy you. And they, they know once you get a taste of it, you'll keep coming back for more. This woman was thirsty. Many of you out there are thirsty. If you continue to have sex outside of marriage, let me let you know you are thirsty. But the Bible clearly states in Matthew 5, it says that we should hunger and thirst after righteousness. And then you shall be filled. Or then you shall be satisfied. It's amazing. Righteousness, and, 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 uh, my hunger and thirst after righteousness is how I'm going to be satisfied. Righteousness. Not sex. Righteousness. Not sex. Righteousness. Righteousness is going to make, give me the place where I'm satisfied. Not sex. Look, look at this in John chapter 6. What Jesus says. John chapter 6. About your hunger and your thirst. I'm telling you, you thirst, you have appetites. John chapter 6, verse 35. It says, And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. And he that believeth on me shall never thirst. I mean... How can, you, how can you read this passage of Scripture and not see the gravity of it? He said that he, he said he's the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never come. I come to the Lord, again, I just said it before. When I come to the Lord, I shall never be hungry again. That means I will be fulfilled. I will be satisfied. And he said, I go to him, I shall never thirst again. That means this, the things that are going on in this world, the things that are going on in my lust. Those, those things will get to, I'll get to a place where, you know, I don't need that anymore. All I need is the Lord Jesus to satisfy me. And so I can hunger and thirst after righteousness. And righteousness is talking about being in right standing with my Lord and my Savior, with God. Staying with the truth that's in the Word, the Word of God. And the truth always points me to Jesus. Then I won't thirst again. See, I won't be caught up in my lust. I won't be caught up in sex outside of marriage. Again, I won't be bound by these things. I ain't got to worry about the accusers coming and trying to condemn me. Because I'm hungry and thirsting after righteousness. He satisfies me. He's the bread of life. And that's what this, that's what this woman, uh, Jesus addressed with this woman. She was thirsty. was thirsty. And again, I'll say this again. Many of you, you're thirsty. That means you're going to come and drink again. You have appetites that you continue to try to fulfill over and over again, and you're still not satisfied. 
That's your lust. But again, it's time for you to be restored. And the restoration uh, starts by you being intimate with God. And you've got to pull away from those you're having sex with. Get along with God and be restored. Verse 10 again. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldst have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. You know, I love about the Lord God. He just said, Ask. Even though he knows you've got issues, just ask him. You know, some of y'all need to ask the Lord for this living water. You know, there's something about, what's the opposite of living? Dead. That means the living water never dies. Living water never gets old, never gets stale, never grows tired. It's the living water. You know, there's life in the Word of God. See, again, that's what I mean by it, it satisfies at all times. The Word of God, God satisfies at all. My hunger and thirst of the righteousness satisfies me at all times. It never gets old. You know, like I said, always deliver. It always delivers. Always. Verse 11. The woman, the woman said unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence thence then hast thou the, that living water? You know, she's trying to understand this. But, but, but again, her mind, she's still thinking about water. She's still holding on to her issues. And God's trying to show her, the Lord Jesus is trying to show her, you need to be restored, woman. Because I have a plan and purpose for you to go on. And then verse 12 says, Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? Now, here's the thing that I, I like about this woman, right? She gets religious with the Lord. I like this. Because many of us do this with, with our Lord. So are you greater than our, our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank thereof uh, uh, himself and his children and his cattle? Because, you know, we'll, we'll get religious with God about things that, that we think about. Okay, well, Lord, really? Because here's, here's the thing. Well, I mean, while we get religious with, the, with God, we'll say, well, I can't have sex with the Lord. I can't have sex with him. <clears throat> and God's trying to give you life eternal to satisfy you because sex is not eternal and here you are talking about having sex with the Lord see God's showing you got issues you got issues to be addressed because every one of your relationships shouldn't be about sex I tell you intimacy is not sex I mean every time you're intimate with somebody you shouldn't be having sex with them Your, your, your mentality shouldn't be all around your lust about having sex Again, somebody says hi to you. Somebody gives you a compliment. Oh, they want to sleep with me. You know, it shouldn't be, or, or, or you're saying hi and giving compliments to somebody else because you want to sleep with them. It's, it's not all about sex. And again, I know we, we say these things for the younger folks. We got some old folks mentality like this too. You ain't grew up, grown up yet. And you know, hey, the older you get, I, I'm, I'm getting it. The older you get, you understand the mergers ain't the same as with a young man. But you still acting like it is the same. It is not the same. Don't be an old fool with these things. Your body will tell you that, you know, you're going to a different direction. So it's not all about sex. 
Verse 13, Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him. A well of water springing up into everlasting life. So now, I, he again explains to this woman what it's about. Right? The water I'm going to give you is going to be in me. How is the water going to be in me? It's called the Spirit of Christ. His Spirit living in me. The Spirit of the Lord in me is going to keep me satisfied. Oh, God is so good. It's nothing like having God in you. And why is God being in me? To reconciling, you know, like we learn on Wednesday night, he is reconciled, God is reconciling the world unto himself. Because God was in Christ. Now, now God is in you because he wants you to have the ministry of reconciliation. But in order for you to have the ministry of reconciliation, you have to be restored. That means there's things in you that needs to be addressed. And having the Spirit of God in you will correct you. Right? Will quicken you. That means when your lust starts trying to come and try to get you to go towards something, God being in you will say, no, don't do that. Don't touch that. Don't go after that. Don't respond to that text. Don't say that. That, that he's in you. God in you will deal with your lust. But that means you've got to accept him. He'll come and make a bowl with you if you accept him. See, some of y'all haven't accepted him. Some of y'all accepted him by your word, but your heart, you have not accepted him. See, the Spirit of Christ in me will drive me to be conformed to his Son. And it will deal with me about my lust. Because I still have this flesh that, that I have to contend with. But him in me is greater than my flesh. See, don't, don't tell you, those that are believers, don't tell me that you can't stop having sex outside of marriage. You can. Sex is sin outside of marriage, right? That is, that, sin does not have dominion over you. You can have your instruments as instruments of righteousness. But all depends who you allow to go after, to follow after, in your heart. See, stop being thirsty. Again, the water that shall I give him shall be in him. A well of water. Spring it up in everlasting life. You know, this water, when he's talking about well of water here again, think about the Spirit of Christ. It never gets old again. It never dries up. I don't have to go back and get another, like you said, go back and get another uh, drink again. It's, a, it's more than enough. Oh, man, that's what I love, I love about God. You know, God, it says, and like myself, God satisfies you to the fullness, to the utmost. He's more than enough. See, one drink from the Lord is more than enough to keep me all the days of my life. It's more than enough. I ain't got to go back for more. It's more than enough to keep me. He's there with me. And now we get to verse 15. This woman said unto him, Sir, give me this water. Now she realized, are we talking about water now or we're not? Now she understands that I got issues. And I need this water to keep me. Give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Verse 16, Jesus said unto her, Go call thy husband and come hither. Now, verse 16, I love this. Because now here's the point where 
Remember, the Lord addressed her, talked to her about her issues, talked to her that she was thirsty, told her about giving me a drink, and now he came to her, because she says, now I'm ready. But she said, go call that husband. And here's, here's how God deals with all of us. It's time for the truth test. Are you going to be truthful to the Lord about your issues? This is the test of truth. Not for God, he already knows, but for you. He said, go call your husband. Now, Jesus knows her situation, but he wants her to give him the truth. That's intimate. I'm going to tell you, when you're time with God, if you can't be truthful to God, then God, like, you're still playing. You're still making excuses. You've got to be truthful to God about where you're at. We hear about Jacob and how he, he wrestled with the Lord, wrestled with the Lord again. He finally realized, that I, am, I am what I am. I am the trickster. He realized who he was. And some of us still, before God, not realizing who we are. This is a test of truth. And God will give us all this test. Are you going to speak the truth to the Lord? Stop lying. Stop making excuses. Stop justifying your sinful actions. She said, go call thy husband and come hither. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, I'm going to look at this immediately. Jesus said unto her, uh, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In this sayest thou truly. This woman was truthful with the Lord about her relationships. Now she's, she is now ready to be restored. I'm going to tell you, until you're truthful with God, you're not going to be ready to be restored. I mean, she acknowledged her sin. She was ready to repent and go forward. She realized, you know who I have now? That's not my husband. She was ready to go forward with, with God's purpose and his assignment. Now she's ready for the drink from the Lord. She's ready to be restored. She acknowledged her sin. And then verse 19 says, The woman said unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. And now, now it's amazing. Now the conversation totally shifts. Because now, now you're ready for your assignment. Now God's going to give you instructions for your assignment. Remember I told you, this, this whole conversation back in verse 7, when he says, Give me a drink, was all about ministering to the Samaritans. But now God, and Jesus is going to reveal to her who he is. Verse 21, he says, Woman, believe me, that at our cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship. For salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. The woman said unto Him, I know that the Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he come, he will tell us all things. Jesus said unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. Jesus just revealed to her that he is the Christ. Why did he reveal this to her? So she can go back to Samaria and tell him, tell them about him. But before he, she can do that, she had to first be restored. But now he gave her an assignment. I mean, he gave her an assignment, but now he, he equipped her what to say. Now jump down to verse uh, um, 29. 
I'm sorry, let's keep reading. Verse 27. It says, And upon and upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, What seest thou? Or why talkest thou with her? And the woman then left her water pot and went her way unto the city and said unto the man, Come, see a man which told me all things that I ever did. Is not this Christ? She went and left and told these people about Jesus. Told people of Samaritan. Now, now jump down to verse 39. And many of the Samaritans of the city believed on him for the saying of who? The woman which testified, he told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them and he abode there two days. Remember, now Jesus had an opportunity to go minister to the Samaritans. Before we saw that they had no dealing with one another. All because of this woman was on an assignment for him. And many of them believe now who Jesus was. The Samaritans now had received their, their salvation. You know, their, their divine appointment. Their invitation. All because this woman was restored and, was, and kept her assignment with the Lord. I'm telling you, don't miss this opportunity of being restored. Deal with these issues of your sexual activity. Because God has you on assignment for those that are premarital. He has you on assignment now. But you have to be restored first so you can fulfill that assignment. Amen? This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.